Hi everyone, welcome to episode 37 of Customers Who Click. Today we've got a slightly different topic for you. It's quite marketing related, but it has huge impact on customer experience, conversion rates, and even average order values. Today I've got Chris Jordan with me. Chris is the CEO and founder of Carrier, who specialises in providing flexible delivery options to brands and their customers. You can charge different amounts to different locations at different times. You can be more or less specific with delivery slots and loads of other options to make it easier and more convenient for the customer. Loads of brands get their career options in place. They sort out next day delivery, and that's kind of the extent that they go to. But consumers are getting more, more needy, really. Uh, they want even more from their delivery experience. Uh, now they want convenience, and Chris is going to talk through how you can give it to them. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. If you could tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background, uh, and why you're doing uh, what you're doing at the moment. Hello, Will. Yeah, great to be on. Um, I've listened to a good few episodes before, and I really enjoy what you're doing. Uh, so, so it's a good honour to be on here. So, I mean, initially, what I'm what I'm doing. So, we're on a mission uh, at Carrier to complete the promise of e-commerce convenience. Um, and how we do that, we what we want to do is uh, supercharge the whole delivery experience. Um, so, I mean, how it all started was, um, I mean. I've been on retail in retail for my whole life. Um, I started dabbling in um, logistics uh, over the past few years, um, and eventually got through um, a really deep rabbit hole with it. And um, it was my girlfriend was just ordering a ton of clothes online, and it, it just come to me to think that this is such a broken experience. We're missing so many deliveries. We're having to go out to um, uh, sorting offices to pick up any missed deliveries, and or have many different attempts that probably aren't even that convenient to, to have them re-delivered. Um, so effectively, um, it's just got to a point where I was just so aggravated with the current experience that everyone just has to settle for. Um, and I just wanted to build out from scratch and just build the best experience possible. Um, but that's a bit about uh, how it all started. And yeah, that's that's really what we're working on. And it's mainly for for the fashion industry at the moment. Um, simply because that's like the biggest market that has those problems, and um, it's it's one of the markets that have have a lot of repeat purchases, which of course have many bad experiences attached to them. So we just want to solve as many problems around that as possible. Yeah, so it's for fashion. It makes sense because it's high frequency, and especially with the number of businesses that offer like free delivery, free returns. Uh, there's so much opportunity to you know, uh, view a few products and go, yeah, cool, whatever, just order them, um, check them out. If you don't like them, send them back. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's a full journey. Um, so, I mean, with fashion, but like you say, as it's so regular, there's so many more elements to the delivery. So it's not only just um, click on the website and have it delivered. It's also, okay, well, what if something isn't the right size or right colour or it's just not quite right? there's also the return journey as well so it's it's literally the whole end-to-end experience so yeah you're absolutely right i guess let's let's kind of talk about delivery a bit more generally then like how it's how it's changed and developed over the last few years like i know obviously everyone likes convenience but it kind of feels like shipping and delivery has become such a major part of the the purchase decision these days yeah um and i think Delivery has been quite synonymous to be quite boring. Um, so if you say the word logistics, it's it's not quite the sexiest word in the world and it, it's quite a turnoff um, when you think about it. Um, and I think it really hasn't lived up to any any kinds of glamour over the past couple of decades. Um, now, however, over the part, as I mean, on the rise of like um, the likes of Amazons and all your different marketplaces that really push um, like the next day or same day, that kind of thing, it really has made it um, uh, much more of a, an element where customers really demand that convenience and speed. Um, but I, I think there's a lot more to it than that as well because it's, it's all well and good having, having that speed element, but it also needs to be convenient. Um, so it's, it's no good having a customer select something within an hour uh, or having something delivered as soon as possible um, and they're not – something pops up in their life as everything does with, with us now. Um, people who live such fast paced lifestyles, if something pops up, they're no longer going to be around to accept delivery. So again, that's going to trigger a miss misdelivery and a reattempt at some point. So it, it really is all about convenience. Um, but if you lace that in with speed and the agility, that's I think really where, where it really benefits both the, the customer and the, the merchant, the retailer. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Um, 
I'm fortunate enough that um, where I live, I have a concierge. So any deliveries, if, if I'm not there or if I don't answer the door for some reason, it just go, the, the package gets delivered there. So, you know, it's very, very rare that I don't get my delivery on the day I was expecting it. Um, occasionally, for some reason, the, the delivery driver will just drive off with it. Um, and I do have to get it re-delivered. But yeah, most of the time it goes to the concierge. So that kind of works for me. But yeah, occasionally, like I had a, a new fridge freezer delivered a couple of months ago and I had to be in for that, obviously. But initially they say, well, the delivery is going to be, to be between 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. And, you know, obviously at the moment during kind of lockdown and the pandemic, that doesn't really matter because I'm at home. But even then, it means I'm thinking, well, in between 8 and 7 p.m., until I get an update, that update telling me the, the hour or two that it's going to be, I can't plan. It's difficult to plan calls. It's difficult to plan, like, going to the gym, whatever. Um, so, yeah, it does get quite in, inconvenient. And, uh, and yeah, I remember when I had to go down to, like, the sorting offices um, a couple of times. And I hate it because they don't even make it that easy, do they? Like their their office hours are generally quite short. Um, there'll be queues and things, so it's it's a nightmare experience. So if I didn't have the concierge, I'd definitely be wanting to order from a business that can say, uh, you know, we can deliver this between, you know, maybe a, even a three hour slot would probably work for me. Um, no, absolutely. I th- it's it's more along the lines of like precision and communication. If if the communication is ultra clear and ultra precise um then i think that's where customers can relieve a bit of anxiety because that's one of the one of the big feelings that customers are left as soon as they've hit that uh buy button and made that purchase uh, we've discussed this before about um, the buyer's remorse uh, they're right in that in that um element right after purchase and they it's a completely different feeling from when when they actually made the purchase but if they're able to learn, okay, well, I know it's definitely going to come at this point um, and the communication is nice and clear. And even if something does happen between uh, the, the point of sale to, to the point of delivery, um, at least it can be communicated very clearly, very quickly, so the customer can make their decisions as well. I think that's probably one of the, the things that really is missing. Um, I think things have got better, but it's still, still a huge lot of work to be done, generally speaking. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see how this changes over the next, I guess, year or so um, with the way people people are going to continue working. You know, we've, well, we've just, it's early December when we're recording this, so we've just come out of our second lockdown. Um, but if people continue working from home, then maybe the speed is just what they want for the the kind of the 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 most part they just want things same day next day um but if people are going back to the office that's when the whole convenience bit comes in and they say well now i need it uh between these hours because that's when i'm home um and if some if some companies are giving up their offices then the ability to get that next day delivery to the office kind of disappears yeah um, as well uh, are there any I guess around the options that can be provided, maybe as a either from a, a consumer point of view or, or business point of view, are there any kind of misconceptions around of del- having different delivery options, um, m- maybe offering multiple options? Yeah, I think this this is one of my one of my favourite things to think about actually, um, and I think there's a very fine balance of, of where you ideally want to be as a, as a retailer or a brand. Um, so you don't want to be overwhelming the customer with too much choice, but you want enough choice where you can actually reflect their motivations and, um, and what they actually want from, uh, from you as a brand. Um, whereas if you've, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you've pretty much got nothing there that really, um, really latches onto that customer. So, um, that there is a very fine line, and um, I, th- I think one thing that is that is missed out at the moment is that they're not they're not really working backwards from their customers' uh, motivations um, and um, what they want from your brand. Uh, so, for example, um, 
if you work backwards from your customers, you could say, okay, well, do my customers care about um, being eco-friendly? Do they want to do their bit for the environment? Okay, well, let's work out a way on how to offer that um, and how to present it to them as well so they, they're fully aware of what's going on when they hit checkout. Or um, do I sell a product where it really um, really hits home with uh, the impatient customer? Well, okay, let's let's look at ways where we can really put put speed in. And then there's uh, things to do with like uh, fast-paced lifestyles. So maybe scheduling um, makes more sense for them. And then there's also the price sensitive. So maybe they don't need things that quick, but they just want it as cheap as possible. Um, so really, it's it's working out. Um, exactly what your customers want and who they are that's where it really starts off with and then offer what re- what it really means to that customer as well yeah i think that just reminded me of um ocado uh, i've not actually used ocado for a while but when i did they did have kind of green delivery slots which were a little cheaper because you shared the delivery with someone else and i suppose that ties into two of them really the whole eco-friendly and price sensitivity yeah yeah you know, it, you might be both, which is great, but if you're eco-friendly, you're going to pick that option. And also if you want an extra pound, like a pound off your delivery fee and you're willing to to put up with um, having to receive it at certain times, um, that plays into that as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, you're right. It's really important to consider what your customers want. And I, I suppose also, does it tie in with your brand values? Yeah. If you're, if you are a brand that, really focuses on being eco-friendly but you're offering one hour delivery at, you know whenever whichever slot you want you know I, I don't know for, for certain but i can't imagine that's the most eco-friendly option yeah no exactly i completely agree there you've really got to think about how it's been offered and how it's also operated as well um so again with the eco-friendly um you can vet the right the right partner and make sure that they're doing they've got the right practice in which really ties in with the brand um but yeah it's it's really really understanding about the whole process and making sure that that really does tie in with the customer and your brand yeah i think i I do think most most companies obviously view delivery as very much the logistics and operations side of the business but i think there's so many ways of tying, tying it into marketing not just from a messaging point of view of saying we offer next day delivery or we offer delivery within a two hour time slot, but even things like, you know, you could tie it into your loyalty scheme as well. Um, depending on your brand, obviously, you know, for eco-friendly brands, you could probably offer loyalty points to people who pick the eco-friendly option. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, uh, within, within like your, database as well you could even pick your vip customers and if you want to make them feel that even more special you could you could give them an exclusive sort of option there's so many ways you're right there's so many ways where you can actually tie that into marketing and i think we're just at the beginning of it because we're we've only really over the past decade we've only really experimented delivery with price and i think there's just so much more opportunity other than price that we can we can use it to be able to um to make the customers feel good um to get more customers and um and retain them as well which is probably overlooked as well yeah yeah exactly i mean you know free free delivery is now kind of best practice really uh even if it's you know with a th- most of the time with a threshold you know a, um purchase uh, order value threshold which kind of makes sense and pretty much all the couriers out there offer it as well because they've got the logistics in place um, and it's and it's not too difficult, I guess. <laughs> I'm saying it's not too difficult. I don't actually know, but that, that's my my guess given how, uh, how widespread it is. But I guess logistically-wise, what, what are some of the key things a business would need to, to consider if they wanted to offer much more flexible delivery options? Um, I think one of the biggest biggest things which um, retailers are really starting to to hone in on at the moment is inventory inventory management. Now, if you don't know what you've got, where it is, and how many of them you've got, and where it is at that point in time, really, you, you can only you can only really standardise the whole delivery um, offering. Um, 
I mean, next day at best, there's no point in uh, figuring out time slots or anything because, for example, you could have you could have someone walk into a shop, for example, and they've bought something there, um, and also somebody's sold out, um, bought the last item from your central film warehouse. So, and if all that's zeroed out, um, dynamically wise, you can't really you can't really offer that that sort of option now if you've got a next day and you can secure a next batch of items uh, for the next day or you can locate it gives you that that bit more time to be able to locate it but really you need to have that understanding and that data to be able to know what you've got at what point in time so on the fly you can figure out well okay um customer in location a has ordered this product but we've only got it in location b um, now I've got to get it to that location or one that's close to that location to be able to fulfill my my promise. So having a, having that level of understanding really is detrimental uh, to the next uh, phase of evolution of the of the delivery option, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I imagine. Like, I guess as long as you've got stores, well, not as long as you've got stores. It's much more important if you've got stores, um, and and if you want to be able to distribute stock from those stores. Uh, via delivery if you're kind of an e-commerce only brand i imagine it's it's a it's a bit easier because you probably only have the one or two distribution centers yeah yeah there the, the really is so many complexities when it comes to um the whole central fulfillment side of things and what we what we're seeing um in, in the industry is people are starting to or retailers are starting to um really spread spread their um, wings throughout their different inventory points. So rather than just relying on a central fulfillment process, um, because for example, if somebody, somebody in London orders a product and your, your fulfillment um, center is middle of the country, you know, the Milton Keynes or the, um, the Manchester sort of sort of way, it's probably not going to get there in a timely manner to make it worthwhile. It needs to be piled um, on a very large vehicle with many other orders to be able to be able to break cost. So um, it's got to be done in a, in a manner where it, it does make sense for the retailer economically, um, but also it can fulfill on, on the service levels as well. But um, I don't know, I think going forward, it's, it's, it's wise to, to be able to, if you have got that um, store inventory um, out there, it's probably wise to be able to spread your efforts and and get not only the stores but central fulfillment to work holistically with the brand uh, rather than independently. Because at the end of the day, the customer really doesn't care where it's coming from, um, who's processing it. All they all they want is it for it to be delivered when you say it's going to be delivered, um, and when it's convenient for them as well. Yeah, you're completely right there. They don't care where it's coming from. Sometimes, I guess sometimes it's a bit interesting when you when you look at the tracking details and you can see the different places it's it's moving in between. But really, you know, and I suppose maybe there's that almost, yeah, in fact, I think maybe there's a level of transparency which is almost causes confusion for mm. a customer as well. You know, if you see that your, your order's been shipped and now it's at this um, uh, like fulfillment center or whatever, and you're thinking, but hang on, that's miles away. That's like that's across the country, or something. You might actually start to worry that your order is not going to reach you on time. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, but again, it, it really does tie in with that communication thing. Again, um, if you can, as a carrier, um, if you can really communicate what's happening, why it's happening, just clearly to the customer, they they are forgiving. But you just need to be able to, to communicate it in the right way, because if you don't, then they're not going to be that forgiving, both to you and the brand you're delivering on the behalf of, and that's it's not really a good a good way of practice, I don't think. Anyway, yeah, I, I think communication is really important, and and I know you you obviously want to keep costs down, but you know text messages cost what nineteen p or something, if I think that, commercially, that. if if that. No, yeah. sorry, but it might be point one nine pence. Yeah. I think that's I think that's right. Um, so be, being able to just send an SMS to say, right, you're. I mean, you, you don't want to overdo it, so it doesn't have to be too frequent. But you know, your order's been dispatched. Your order's an hour away. Um, stuff like that. I think occasionally you get notifications from Amazon saying, uh, like your, or it might be Prime now saying your your driver is one delivery away. 
or something like that. So it's it's not minutes away, but it's yeah, you're you're, you're coming up. So just be aware. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had one experience recently, actually. At, it was I mean it was prior to delivery even beginning actually, but I'd ordered a um, a PC monitor uh, from quite a big, well known um, computer brand. And uh, the re- I ended up getting in touch with them to check on the order on the st- status of the order because I'd received a refund, which obviously seems a bit odd. So logged in, saw that my order was still confirmed, but shipping date was uh, about two weeks away. Might have been a bit longer. So I, I got in touch with customer service just to check, and I said, "Well, you know, I've received a refund, but no other." information no email or anything so i just want to check make sure the order is still happening um and, and they confirmed it was but at the same time i then checked the the product details on the website and noticed it was 30 pounds cheaper so i said well oh and and the the customer service person confirmed that i would be charged on i think it was e- either dispatch or delivery i can't remember but that was going to be about two two and a bit weeks away so i asked if i was going to pay the current price or you know the pr- the price on dispatch, um, or the price that I had originally selected, and and she said it was the the price that I had selected, um, which I thought was a really odd way of doing it because if delivery is going to be two weeks away, I might as well cancel that order, and I've got two weeks to go and find the product elsewhere or just come back to this company, yeah, uh, to re- to remake that order. Um, so yeah, I know I know that's not quite exactly tied into delivery but yeah it was the fact that that delivery was like two three weeks away um and they started offering a cheaper price but wouldn't give it to me so yeah just didn't make sense to me yeah no no and i think that's probably one of one of the things that both retailers and carriers need to be able to work together on um and have both businesses um and both their business logic sorry um to communicate well with each other um, so in your scenario is okay. Well, um, if the price has changed, they don't really, they don't need to cancel it and um, or anything like that. They could, they really could have had that all those logics pre programmed to to be able to communicate with with the whole delivery side of things. And um, it, it really does. It takes a bit of groundwork considering how much um, how complex these systems are. But I mean realistically everything needs to just be connected to each other in an ideal world anyway um and so all types of systems can talk to each other and full transparency is out there and promises can be delivered in the fullest capacity for the customer which is the most important thing um so what are what some of the biggest or kind of most common mistakes you see with delivery um, I suppose it's from a brand side. You don't really get mistakes from a consumer side, but yeah. Um, what are the mistakes you see? Yeah, I think, yeah, you, you're right. Um, there's not many mistakes on the consumer side of things because essentially it's, it's what they want and it's up to brands and carriers to be able to develop what they want and, and how they want it. But I, I think it's more of a mindset type of thing with, um, with retailers, merchants and brands. So um, it's more, I mean, conventionally they've got the mindset of okay let's just compare apples for apples so cost wise what's this gonna what's this gonna cost us um on a pound for pound basis now if you compare um thing they might not be the direct comparable to each other um and so you might have one that's um extremely cheap um but in the long term, they make the whole process or the the whole whole experience that that carrier offers. It might it might cause a lot of misdeliveries and have to reattempt several times, which would end up costing the retailer um, more. Um, so it could could double in price. Um, and then you've also got like the both pre and post purchase experience. If any of that fails or breaks on the customer. And uh, guess what? They're not going to see the brand that they're purchasing off in, in good light. Um, and that could either be through a very poor uh, review um, leading to um, customers not converting or not even funneling onto their site. Um, and ultimately, that customer that's purchased had a bad experience might not ever return again. Um, so there's a lot of potential to have um, 
uh, lost orders um, with things like that. So I think comparing comparing it cost wise is is probably an old old way to do things. Instead, it's I mean you you know yourself um, doing it on the ROI side of things is okay. Well, what's it's actually what's it's actually giving me um, if I fulfil it from store? Is that going to re- alleviate any pressure from central fulfilment? Okay, great. Um, if it's going to be delivered to the customer um, within an hour, um, is it going to um, lead to more product sell through? Great. Um, if I'm offering some form of returns where it can just get picked up within an hour, great. We can have that on the shelf within an hour and potentially fulfill another sale off the back of that. Um, so there's so many different elements to actually view and explore that just comparing the face value cost is probably um it's probably uh, a, a closed-minded way of, of viewing things like this. Um, but I think um, during these types of periods as well, the, the whole festive season and Black Friday, actually, I think um, retailers do see um, do see the the potential of cutting costs. Um, I mean, you you could only just uh, type in a few keywords on Twitter, and you can see the amount of customers that are uh, that aren't very happy with um, with their experience and um, that's due, due to the amount of volume going through, um, and it, sometimes it just can't be handled because the the process is broken. Yeah, and and like you say, almost all the time that comes back to the retailer as well. Mm. So even if it's the the courier's fault, uh, you know if they're having problems at their end, the consumer still has the problem with the brand, um, <laughs> and has a bad experience with that brand, and and. You, you can't really just pass the blame either. You can't say, well, you know, our contract with this courier says uh, next day de- delivery guaranteed. So if there's a problem, it's it's their fault. You know, that, that doesn't go down well with the customer. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think it's it's almost a, a given now that it's it's pretty much expected from every carrier to, to fail at some point in time. Um, so if something does happen, it's just, okay, roll my eyes I, I knew it was going to happen at some point uh let's take it on the chin but let's complain to the retailer um so it, carriers are kind of seen as almost like a commodity now it doesn't really matter what brand uh takes ownership of that experience um it's it's just gonna be a matter of time until a fault fault appears and it's it's always the retailer that takes takes the blunt end of the stick really yeah yeah exactly i mean unfortunately i don't recall the last time I had a problem. Yeah, with a retailer or or, or a courier. Um, although I'm, I'm sure there probably has been. Uh, actually, I so I remember I saw on LinkedIn not too long ago. Someone I think someone was just saying they'd signed this contract with a courier uh, for the Christmas period to to offer next day delivery, and then I think was either told or found out that. I think they were saying they had something like a 5% success rate at the moment with next day delivery. Oh, wow. Which is, I mean, firstly, like shockingly bad, yeah. but also um, agreeing to work with someone on next day delivery, but not, but, but you must know that that fault is there as well. And that, and that you're not actually uh, fulfilling the orders. Yeah, that's that's. I'll tell you what, thing things like that, they'll probably be better off uh, messaging themselves as ninety five percent success rate of three to five business working days instead of five percent next day. But I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. But if you want to offer next day delivery, yeah, on your site, then uh, you know that's that's a problem. Yeah, um, and I mean, I I have I, well. So I guess a question I can put to you, if, if you know, do, do you, are you expecting any kind of big, big differences this year with the Christmas period, given, you know, the, the year we've had? Yeah, that, I, I think um, I think the inevitable in terms of retail, the inevitable has happened. Um, so what should be happening over the next five years has happened within a year, um, meaning that retail in terms of stores they've changed um and in terms of delivery um customer habits have changed so people of course they've had two lockdowns here in the uk at least um they've had two lockdowns to be forced to use e-commerce um and to be honest once they've once they've gone through that 
uh, that period of I don't know 28 days a month or so they kind of re- rewired themselves to be able to just get used to that and I don't think things are ever going to go back to exactly the way things were um, it's going to be slightly different people are going to be I think the transaction long term is going to live on on the e-commerce side of things um, but I mean it's it's all about now anything extra in terms of like retail and um it's, it's all about the experience now um i think we've just kind of got to got to get a grip to say the transaction is is going to stay stay e-commerce let's let's not worry about that but let's use everything else to concentrate on the experience so if i do have stores what can i do to be able to give the best possible experience to my customers um now is that is that down to like showcasing the product in a, in a different manner? Is that down to events? Can I do localized streaming, um, like uh, localized um, content generation for social media stuff? That's a much more, um, much more marketed marketing orientated um, towards their, their localized customers. Um, but also like okay well i've already got this space as well how else can i use it maybe use it as a fulfillment destination as well there's loads of different things that um i think retailers can can do to be able to to utilize their assets um in a positive manner but i think yeah it's things have changed customer habits have changed it's it's probably going to be um be staying um in terms of uh relying on on the internet to to make the purchase and at the end of the day, customers always go for the most convenient option. Um, I mean, it's it makes no sense for someone to to rush to something which has more friction, um, unless it provides them more value of some sort. So that's that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah, definitely, I completely agree. Um, I'd love to see more brands um, having more kind of experience-led uh, retail stores. However, I'm just aware that, you know, in the, in the UK, at least, you know, business rates and rents mm. kind of make that impossible. Yeah. You, you can't, a lot of brands can't afford to have a store that's not dedicated to sales. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe more brands could go down the kind of Argos style route of, you know, you go in, there aren't actually many products at all out on the, on the shelves in the store actually you've got kind of a massive brochure. I mean, it's basically an e-commerce store, Yeah, but yeah. you get the product there and then because the fulfillment center happens to be attached to it. Um, so maybe not quite like that, but a, a, just a different experience in store that, uh, that engages people and, and gives people a reason to go in store. No, absolutely. I, I really, I really agree with that, um, that mindset as well. And I think Argos have, have, almost pioneered that sort of sort of thing they've been doing it for i mean decades that's that's kind of what they what they've known for and that's that's one of the reasons why they've managed to be able to pull off same day delivery as well um in, yeah. in some locations where it might not be viable for the conventional retailer and i think yeah seeing it as an inventory point uh, to support e-commerce is probably one of the the best things to be able to to do um and that that can also support revenue as well so yeah i, I completely agree with that uh, and in terms with i guess staying on the the trends theme uh yeah do, do you see any big trends coming in the way uh either businesses offer delivery or um any are there any new trends in how consumers are going to view it as well i mean you know we've already got next day that's like the standard thing now so our, our consumers going to be demanding even more yeah I, I think so as long as, as long as it's it's getting pushed from every other angle I, I think consumers are always just going to want more better faster you know it's it's i mean i guess it all start they've excuse the pun but, but they've all been primed to expect uh, more from from this experience so whether that be greater speed flexibility or um just an, an added bonus um so i mean i keep referring to amazon because they they do it really well with their platform but when when you're a prime member you get all the benefits of having the prime video and music there's every, there's a whole ecosystem behind it and i think there's something like that um which which i think is is on the rise for people outside of that platform as well 
Um, you know, I mean, you can only only see the payments industry, for example. Um, you've got the likes of PayPal now, which are getting into buy now, pay later. You've had Klarna, which have been doing it for years. Um, all, the, all the brands that operate that side of things, there's a whole ecosystem behind it now um, and a community behind it where... Um, where they're where they're really incentivized to to take part in that and i think it's probably one of the one of the things that's really gonna gonna wrap itself in the in the delivery package um so to speak um in in the coming years is is really to build up the value of it not just not just a commoditized service of moving something from a to b but what else can be done to be able to excite that customer what else can be done to make them feel special on that doorstep um or to to really um put their convenience at the front of the carrier's mind um and i think that's that's probably the one thing which which conventional carriers haven't got quite the mindset to do because they they're seeing things from a parcel point of view rather than a customer point of view yeah exactly uh yeah i completely agree with you what do you think about um like delivery subscriptions I guess it's tied, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about Prime and and how, you know, I use I use the video a little bit uh, to be fair, but um, but obviously the content costs them a lot. Um, getting free free next day delivery, you know, it's it's not cheap. Um, I know they've worked out the logistics a lot, but it still can't be that cheap. So I wonder how much value they get from from me. You know, they, they must lose money on the seventy nine. I think it's seventy nine pounds a year. Um, so they're hoping that that will balance be balanced out by the amount that I spend because I'm a I'm a prime uh, prime customer, which which is probably true. It's so easy to just click <laughs> click buy and order something new from Amazon. Um, but yeah, I've I've been seeing a lot of companies offering uh, unlimited free delivery for at a, at a fixed price per, per month or per per year. But what what are your opinion? What's your opinion on that? Because that it just feels like it's another tactic to kind of discount the experience really and you know obviously make things cheaper but by incurring more costs yeah I, you you really you really said something that home for me it's just e- it's just easy to click and click and buy with with the likes of amazon they just make it so damn easy um and the reason why they do that again it's because they want more orders from you and of course the more orders you make the more uh, the more it's either going to balance their side of things economically or or um, and some more but um i think it's it's something which is kind of in the experimental phase at the minute you see all like the pure plays which have um a very very loyal base and it makes sense for these these guys simply because they've got um you've got customers on there that are making repeat purchases sometimes on a weekly basis and in some cases on a daily basis so it really does make sense for them to roll it out um because it increases that volume on a per customer basis but if if you've got if you've got companies um that are doing i know for example like furniture for example where they don't refresh furniture for for every like five to seven years there's no point whatsoever doing a delivery subscription because the the life cycle is extremely long but if you've got a, a really short life cycle and one that's very sticky um within the fashion industry you've got quite a lot of niches in there fast fashion what being one of them um it really does make sense but again i think like you say you, there needs to be there's probably going to be we need to be more more to be built up, up on to be able to build more value into it um to to keep to keep those customers getting getting more value from it um and outside of the the whole amazon platform i'm not quite sure um what that value could be but i I definitely think subscription might be the way to go it could even be that um a carrier maybe even ourselves at some point will do um a subscription for every every kind of business so wherever no matter where you shop um you'll be recognized as a carrier customer and um and you could have a have your vip membership or whatever it could be you know what i mean i mean there, there's so much potential um that it could be owned by one as as long as as long as the repeat purchase is there to be able to sustain it so i don't know yeah yeah the idea that uh by logging in it recognizes that i'm a carrier uh customer um which i mean not i can't think of a single courier that does that that sort of thing where it, it, it would recognize the consumer as a customer 
because obviously, well, I mean, it's partly because it's all done through the the e-commerce platform, so you, you or the retailer. I mean, but obviously, if you had something like Carrier built in, you could log into that, uh, or it would just detect your account, I guess. Um, yeah, and could auto-populate your address. Um, I guess even potentially your preferred delivery times. If okay. I if I ask for a at seven to nine PM delivery slot on every time I order through Carrier, then you know, if it detects me, it can just say, right, here's, here's your address, here's your delivery slot, click to order or edit it. You're absolutely right. And we're seeing this kind of um, innovation happening through payments. Like, again, I, I see it with Klarna, PayPal. When you hit that checkout, um, they know you're a Klarna customer already um, and they've already got all your information plugged in already. They know which card that they're going to deduct with funds from. They know um, they know what your preferred um payment method is so then and it's that kind of thing it just really breaks down that friction um because that's that's one of the biggest things retailers have throughout checkout and it's it's always increasing the friction there's so many distractions happening when you get to checkout it's unreal and delivery shouldn't be one of them likewise with payments they those two alone shouldn't shouldn't be the cause of all this friction um and I, and i think there's there's a lot of work to do but i think um I think that that could be a really, really good way of um, of reducing that friction for the retailer and the customer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, I guess they're, they're just seen as those standard things that people have to do. And therefore, if they've got to that point where they've added products to their basket and they've gone to checkout, they will fill out the checkout because yeah. they've made the decision to buy. But it doesn't happen like that. It's still so easy for someone to get to that checkout and just go, oh, do you know what? I can't be bothered with this. Like, if you, see, you know, if you see a massive form to fill out, um, like I, I haven't seen it very very often recently, well, probably the last couple of years, but, you know, having to fill out your entire delivery address and then fill out your billing address, even if they're the same. Painful. Really stuff like that. And you, you kind of see it and you think, oh, do you know what? I could just go to this other site and buy it. And I think you, you you spoke about this before, actually, quite a, a couple of times, both on LinkedIn and through blog posts, is um, just enabling a guest guest checkout and then giving them the option of creating an account afterwards if, if that's what they want. But about reducing that friction as much as possible, do, does the customer really need to fill in all that information every single time? Yeah, actually, so my uh, one of my clients actually has a smart a smart checkout, and uh, so the first, I, d- I don't think. I don't think there's an option for a guest checker initially. Um, but what happens is you, you put your email address into the, the first field and it'll detect whether you have an account or not. So if you have an account, it'll ask for your password and then you log in and it will pre-fill everything for you. And if you don't have an account, it will then just kind of ask you to fill in the rest of it, which I think is really good because, I mean, effectively, it's still a guest checkout because you still have to fill in this information. I think that's one of the weird things about guest checkout, really. The only difference is one of them asks for a password, one doesn't. Yeah, yeah. To create the account, but by by clicking guest checkout, you feel like you've got less commitment. Yeah, absolutely. From more your uh, your preferences, really, do you, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Uh, yeah. Or marketing, and I, I guess for you, it'd be more like, uh, you know, operations and delivery related stuff as well. Yeah, um, I think... One one thing is I, I would probably say is not communicating what your brand's about, um, and it doesn't doesn't matter what what sort of um, industry you're in, what sort of uh, what sort of model you've got. Um, if you if you can really communicate the values of which you um, which you feel about the brand, that's that's probably one one thing which I think needs to happen with every brand. And again, we're still working on that that side of things. It's something we're really focused on. Um, and a second thing is probably boldness. Um, be bold. Um, I mean, there's only a finite amount of time we've all got. Just, just make, make the step and and just be bold. Um, there's such a noisy environment in front of us. Um, do what you can to, to really step out and um, make make customers understand why you're different and why you why you will provide them value. Um, and I think that's it's fundamental stuff. It's it's nothing fancy, but I, I just think um, it's probably something which not not everyone really really thinks about. They're always trying to think about the next, what's the next thing, 
Um, but I think boldness really is one of the things I really, really do enjoy. But I, I feel there's a, there's a lack of it in some places. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like get, getting your brand out in front of people, making sure people are aware what you're on about. Um, I mentioned on LinkedIn uh, recently because uh, one of the previous episodes was about loyalty schemes. And I mentioned that I, I just don't consider myself a loyal customer. I, I can't think of any loyalty schemes that I'm actually a member of, or if I am a member of them, uh, any that actually uh, prompt me to purchase more or actually engage me. And it's partly because there are just so few like actual brands out there yeah. or, or as a proportion of, of all the businesses. Like if I'm, there are just not many products where I think, right, I, I need to buy this. This is the website I'm going to go to. It generally starts with a Google search yeah. and I'll just open up the top maybe five results and just see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think that's really important. Um, do, do is there any particular area of marketing you feel is a bit underrated? I suppose apart from being bold and having a brand. <laughs> um, yeah, again, it's back to the fundamentals as well. So I've been listening to um, listen to a couple of podcasts around behavioural economics. So effectively reflecting or discovering the the real motivations of the end customer and um really nailing down why people do these things so for example um you the early days of facebook for example um it was more curiosity that drove their growth people were curious about um okay well i'm friends with these guys who else are they friends with what what are they doing is it's the curiosity about the, about the people element side of things with with that um and then you've got the the brand side of the D2C side of brands um, where they're really, really honing in on the values that they have. So, I mean, you've, you've got uh, really decent brands, for example, like Allbirds, for example, I'll, I'll name drop those. Um, and they're really honing in on their eco-friendly values um, and the good quality um, materials used to create their shoes. And it's, it's things like that. They really understand their customer and they really understand the behaviors that their customer, those customers have. Um, and I think that's, it's extremely underrated. Um, and just understand whether your product, what your product actually means to that customer, what does it spark? What emotions does it make your customers feel? Um, and how can you, um, how can you pull those levers to be able to, to be able to manage that as well? So I think that's probably one of the, the most underrated and probably one of the most fundamental um, fundamental things that that really goes on in the whole marketing thing. And I'm not a marketing genius. It's just it's really just um, uh, just an observation. I think. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, behavioural economics are really it's really really interesting because um, you kind of you see it on a lot of sites, but it's just done badly, um, and it's not those kind of little nudges and things that are moving people onto to the next kind of goal or objective on the site. Most of the time they take the form of like massive banners and things, um, trying to like scare people into doing, uh, taking action. I think it's just a bit of a lack of, yeah, lack of understanding of how it really works. Like, you, you know, again, like Amazon's such a great example of this um, with all their messaging around, you know, if you order in the next 14 minutes, 59 seconds, you'll get next day delivery or it can be delivered tomorrow. Yeah. And, and just subtle messaging around, you know, I've, I've noticed they've also doing, they're also doing extended returns for Christmas, mm-hmm. which, but again, it's, it's just a line of text in the product description. Whereas a lot of brands would basically stick a massive banner at the top of the page and say like uh, free, uh, free returns extended through January or something, which is kind of a key message. Yeah. I get people like it, but Amazon just go down the subtle route. So people notice it and go, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'll tell you what, you beat me to it. I was going to make that reference as well. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it really is. Um, they, they, do, they do a lot of things well. Um, so it's, they've got so many references in there. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I did a, a webinar. Well, I think you, you might have been on it, actually, um, what, a month or so ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ago. And um, yeah, I had that screenshot of an, an Amazon page, product page, and I highlighted about, I think it's about six points which are all basically these little nudges 
to try and get you to to make your purchase today because they just put you at ease. Yeah. Well, they're either it's there's a little bit of scarcity and urgency. There's a little bit of the urgency with the delivery. Then there's that uh, dealing with anxiety by saying, well, you know, don't worry, you can you've got free returns until the end of January. So there's you know I think there's about six things on the page, which like subtly just nudge people to, towards making that purchase. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Cool. Well, I mean, it's been really great stuff. Um, I think, yeah, delivery is such an important part of uh, part of e-commerce and retail. Um, so it'll be interesting to see yeah, how things develop over the next year or so. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing that? Uh, I mean, hit me up directly. It's chris at carrier.com. Um, or you can just go through the website, learn a little bit more on the website. But yeah, I, I really just love interacting with with people um, directly. So I welcome anyone to just drop me an email. Um, more than happy to give people a demo as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. No, thank you, Will. Thanks for having me. Delivery is a really expensive part of the business. You've got to pay to store products, pay to ship it to a customer, pay for re-delivery attempts or for to have it returned to you. Uh, and then pay to process that return as well. So surely it makes sense to invest a little bit more money into an option that will allow the customer more flexibility and let them pick a time that they know they can actually receive the product. You know, the worst case is um, they get that 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. delivery slot and, you know, they go to the shop, have a shower, go to the gym, whatever, and that just happens to be the moment that that delivery turns up. You'll reduce your overall shipping costs, but you'll also build that brand loyalty with customer. If you provide a good web experience, make it easy for someone to purchase, make sure the product is what they want and right for them, you know, by giving them accurate and detailed clothing size, for example, and give them a convenient delivery option, your repeat purchases are going to go through the roof and your customer won't want to take the risk of buying elsewhere. If you'd like to learn more about delivery options, contact Chris at chris at carrier.com or via the the carrier.com website. Any other podcast questions, uh, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com. Next up, I've got Ryo Chiba, founder of usedtopic.com, talking with me about artificial intelligence and how it can help you craft a better SEO strategy. But until then, keep those customers clicking.